we can get you a Bible. Um, but we're going to be in the book of Ruth. Uh, if, yeah, there we go. Um, so we, we... Anybody else need a Bible? Raise your hand if you need a Bible. Um, and we may need to buy more Bibles. Um, any more Bibles over here? Well, there's like three back there. Can you grab those? Um, it might be a sign to buy more. It's only one and a half. Riley and Brody. I'm going to move y'all. I'm going to move y'all. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. Alright, hey, raise your hand if you need a Bible still. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need a Bible. You got a Bible. Alright, let's look. There we go. Um, hey, we're going to be in the book of Ruth tonight. Alright, we can stop the class now. Um, but, good try, good try. Um, book of Ruth. So if you need to know where the book of Ruth is, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Page 147. Page 147 in the Blue Bible. Page 127. So, so, where have we been over the past few weeks? We've been looking at the, the story of Scripture, how all of life in Scripture is all about God. And that truth, knowing that, is a very good thing. We could hear that and say, man, God is really conceited or He's jealous or, um, man, what a, what a prideful God. But that's not true. If we read the stories of Scripture, read, read the, the truth that we find, that we learn that this is a good, a holy, and a gracious God. And it's good that all of life and Scripture is about Him. And so as we've walked through this story, we've learned who God is, we've seen why we are here, why we've been created, and how we can live with God, all these many different things. But ultimately, what we're seeing is that the story follows along for one cohesive unit, showing us that there's one purpose throughout the whole entire Bible. And this story, the story of the Bible, finds its culmination and its high point in Jesus. And it directs us to, good, to the goodness of life with God. And so we continue to see that tonight uh, as we dive into Ruth. But Ruth kind of takes a, a unique turn. It helps us see that, that though we've been seeing a broader picture in, in how God's working through just these long periods of time, Ruth almost goes into the, this narrower view. And it shows us that, that God is at work in the everyday moments of life. And so as we look at Ruth, I want us to, to, to notice that and to really ask this question tonight. Does God really care about me? Does God really care about me and about what I do on a daily basis, about who I am? Because if you look at the, the broad story of Scripture so far, is it seems so disconnected. You take away Genesis and Exodus, you just look at like Joshua, Judges, like it just seems like a, a big broad story about what God's doing. Does He really care about people? But in Ruth, we find that God deeply cares about who His people are, and He cares about them in unique ways. So look at Ruth with me. We're, we're not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to tonight um, do something a little different and jump around throughout this book as we, we tell the story together. And so if you notice in the very first verse of chapter 1 uh, in Ruth, it says that in the day of Judges, 
or in the day when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem of Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. So you look at where we are in the place of the story, and you think back to last week. You're in the time of the judges, and, and what's wrong with the judges? Anybody remember? Anybody know? What, what, where do we find issue with the book of Judges? What are some crazy things that happen? Anybody remember that? Very end, I mentioned at the very end uh, last week that the end of the book of Judges, you see the tribe of Israel literally chop someone up and, and send them out to, to other people. So if that doesn't tell you enough about what's wrong in the book of Judges, to, to sum it up is that it's filled with corruption and sin. God's people are nothing but depraved and broken sinners who are just corrupt. There's corruption in the culture and there's mass corruption in the people of God. And so what, what you have is this awful time in history in God's people where they are nothing but awful sinners. But then you come into the book of Ruth and right smack dab in the middle of that time, you get the story of Ruth. And it's a story of hope and a promise and, and really of relief. And even though, if you, you read this book, even though we don't see God mentioned much, we see God is present over everything that's happening here. So, so let's think about the story of Ruth tonight. In the story of Ruth, we see God working, uh, the God of creation working in the ordinary and mundaneness of everyday life. Specifically, you've got three characters. Anybody read the book of Ruth before? Three characters. Who's one of them? The husband. The husband. Well, we're not going to go there. I'm sorry. I should have been more specific. Three main characters. Naomi? Who do you think another girl in this book is called? Ruth. Ruth. <laughs> and then you've got uh, another person named Boaz. Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Naomi was a, a Hebrew widow who feels that, that God is against her. In the story, she begins to get this feeling that God is nothing but, but working against her and wants to see her, her fail. Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law. She's a widow too, but she's a foreigner. And that's a big deal because she's not included in the people of God and foreigners are doing nothing but corrupting God's people. And then lastly, you get Boaz, a wealthy, generous, and kind man of integrity who, who we learn in the story it does incredible things for this family. And so as the story begins in Ruth, we begin with Naomi and her family. Just as you saw in verse, verse 1 of chapter 1, they go to, Boaz, or to, to Moab because they're starving in Bethlehem. And they're desperately in need of food. So they move to Boab. Moab, I keep saying Boab. It's because of Boaz. They move to Moab. But not long after, what happens? Naomi's husband dies. He's dead. Gone. But, so there's grief in the family. But you see, there, there seems like there's a wave of relief. Her sons marry these foreign women, these Moabites. And this family lives together for 10 years in a new country. And you just think, okay, well, well, maybe there's healing in this time. Adjusting to a new normal. Until tragedy strikes again. You look at chapter 1 and it tells you that not only does Naomi's husband die, but her two sons die as well. And so the, the, the women that they married, it's just left to Naomi, Ruth, and the other daughter-in-law named Orpah. And so this woman, Naomi, her life seems filled with nothing but tragedy and grief. Her life seems like it's filled with nothing but, but tragedy and grief. But we can 
be guaranteed that God has not abandoned her. Though at this point in Naomi's life, it seems like all hope is lost for her. There's nowhere that she can turn. So she goes back home, probably the only place that she feels comfortable, where she can live and flourish. And she tells her daughter-in-laws this. Look at verse 8-9. through Naomi said to her her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with with the, the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. She says, look, you've, you've loved me so much. You've been faithful to me. Man, may the, just go home. May the Lord be kind to you. May you remarry and have a, a beautiful life. I, I can't, you can't keep going with me because my life is, noth- is, is going to be filled with nothing but trouble. But Ruth says no. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting. You think like, okay, they, they should listen to Naomi, honor what she's saying. But Ruth says no, absolutely not. Look at what she says. This is a beautiful thing that she says and something that gives us a, a hint of the rest of the book. Chapter, or verse 16 through 17 of chapter 1. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. And so instead of leaving this widow who has consumed in grief, Naomi who feels nothing but but trouble from how her life's gone, what does Ruth do? She says, look, I'm willing to leave everything that I know behind. Every single bit of my life before you even came into it, I'm willing to leave behind my, my family, my country, even the pagan gods that I follow, all so that she could follow Naomi and her God. And so Ruth gives her, her total devotion to Naomi. We see in a time when everyone is consumed in sin, the book of Judges is just filled with corruption. Ruth seems to be filled with something different. She's filled with this unique love. And Naomi desperately needs this. A woman who is, who is grieving the loss of so much. And though Naomi doesn't see it, and Ruth doesn't realize it, God is working something beautiful and life-changing, even in the first chapter of the book. But as her and Ruth return, people begin to approach her and, and come up to Naomi to welcome her back. And what is Naomi's response? Look at verse 20 through 21. She, says, she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Says he's built bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? And the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. She says, Well, don't even call me my name, which means God, God is pleased with me. No, call me Mara because God has done nothing but worked against me. God wants nothing for me. He is working against me constantly. She's convinced that God has made her life bitter. She's burdened with the effects of a sin-filled world. And so we see Naomi in this this pit of struggle. And they make their way back to Bethlehem, a place that was once famished, now is plentiful with a harvest, all so they can start over and so that they can truly begin to survive. And then this is where we begin to understand the book of Ruth a little bit better and why it's such a beautiful story in, in Scripture. 
We see that Ruth doesn't really know much about Yahweh, but she has the faith. She has faith in God to, to work in crazy situations. And that faith has completely transformed her. So she begins to, to look for places to work and support her and Naomi and just go and, and hope that things work out. And where do they end up? You look at chapter 2 and you begin to realize, man, they end up in the best place they possibly could. Like This is like if you're going on a trip and you're looking for something to eat. And man, all you're doing is hitting uh, pit stop after pit stop with nothing but McDonald's. And it's like, okay, we got to get to something better eventually. And you see the traffic sign of Chick-fil-A. The providence of the Lord just come up. Man, that is where, man, this is the situation that Naomi and Ruth are in. But a little bit better than that. <laughs> they find something better than Chick-fil-A, and that's they find the fields of Boaz. And the reason that's so important is because they don't just go to some stranger's fields to say, hey, I'm going to work here and hope I get a lot of money and, and work out. No, they go to Boaz's fields, and without realizing they go there, but, but Ruth works, and Boaz, man, he goes and, and just protects her. He says, look, don't go over here because they will harm you. Don't, don't pursue them because nothing but bad will come from them. But just stay here, work as much as you need, do whatever you need. I'll care for you. I'll, I will protect you and I will be there for you. Now remember, Ruth is a foreigner. And God's people were living in the time of the judges. And what's wrong there? Man, the foreigners were the people who were corrupting the people of God. Making them worse and worse and worse. So if you run into a foreigner, you're like, man, I don't need them anywhere near me. I need to get away from them if I'm trying to pursue God at all. But what does Boaz do? And he doesn't push her away. And he doesn't invite her in thinking, okay, I'm going like to have her culture change me and my love for, for, for God. No, she invite, he invites her in so that he can show her the love of Yahweh. Look at 2 verses 8 through 9. Boaz says to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one. But keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink that the young men have drawn. From the very beginning, we see that that Boaz is watching out for Ruth. And Ruth is, is stunned by it. Look at the next verses. Verses 10 through 13. And what does Ruth do? She fell on her face, bowing to the ground. She said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? Because I'm a foreigner. But Boaz answered, All that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know. The Lord repay you for what you've done. A full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. From the very outset, Boaz proves that he is a man of kindness, of grace, of compassion, and he commits himself to her. He says, look, I'm going to watch out for her. I'm going to care for her. And just as Naomi describes a few verses later in verse 20, he is her redeemer. This idea of a kinsman redeemer. And it's a beautiful idea. We'll mention more about it in a minute. But it's basically this thought of, man, he is the one who's going to restore her family, who's going to help them in a time of trouble and get them back up on their feet. 
who's going to allow them to actually live and get out of the grief and the sorrow, the pit that they're in, and show them a new way. And unsurprisingly, after Ruth has this incredible encounter with Boaz, what does she do? And she goes back home to tell her mother-in-law and just talk all about this guy. Like, man, can you believe all that he's told me? Can you believe this? And it's, it's, um, imagine it being when you, you have found this person that you're smitten over and you go home and you go and tell your parents, you're like, oh my gosh, I've just met the best person in the world. Like, I'm going to marry this person. <laughs> That's the state that we find Ruth in. And she goes to Naomi and she's, she is just blown away by who Boaz is. How he promised to bless her and Naomi and be their kinsman redeemer. Like, think about this. Really and truly think about this. Think about widows in our day and age. What kind of view the how do we view widows today? Spiders. Spiders. Spiders? Wrong widow. Wrong widow. Think of widows. Listen up, listen up. Focus back in. Widows, like, we may say, hey, we love the widows, we care for the widows, but like all too often, man, the widows get neglected. Those who have, man, they've, they've lost a parent. Like, they, they, they get neglected. We don't care for them enough. They have a difficult life. And so you think about Ruth and Naomi in this situation, man, they are facing the same thing. They need someone to come and help them, to rescue them from trouble. And Boaz is promising just that. And he does. In chapter 3, you read of Boaz Go, uh, of Ruth going into the night to, to go and just confront Boaz to say, hey, I want you to redeem me. And she doesn't go in to seduce Boaz or flaunt what she has or anything like that. Listen up. Focus back in. She doesn't go, back, go in to seduce Boaz, to flaunt her, her stuff around or anything. No, she goes in modestly seeking to know Boaz and, and catch his attention. To show humility and faithfulness to him alone. She doesn't sleep with him. She doesn't just put herself out there. But she quietly goes in and commits herself to him. See, this is almost like an engagement ceremony. Where, where Ruth goes and says, look, I want to marry you. And I'm going to save myself until we, we're married. That's, that's what we see this act going between Boaz and Ruth almost. And Boaz notices her. Look at verse 10 of chapter 3. It says in verse 10, And Boaz said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. He said, Look, you've been faithful. You've been pure. You have not gone after anyone else. You've been faithful to the Lord, and now you've been faithful to me. So I will redeem you. And in chapter 4, Boaz does just that. When we see others viewing Ruth as a nuisance to bother with, Boaz steps up and he says, look, I'll do it. I I want Ruth. I want to take care of her and her family. I will redeem her. And you see the story that begins in tragedy and death all the way from the very beginning. When Naomi loses her husband, Ruth loses her husband, two sons are gone. Man, it ends in, in joy. And not only that, but at the very end, birth. You see there that the family line continues. What Boaz promised, man, it happens. Boaz redeems Ruth. 
all because of redemption. This, this story is ending this way because of this unrelenting love, because the Redeemer cared for Ruth. But the sh- story shows us that, look, though Boaz is this great Redeemer who deeply cares for, for people, man, it's pointing us to a, a bigger and a greater Redeemer than Boaz. And that Redeemer is God. And He's brought this family all the way from the very beginning where, where you're filled with tragedy, with grief, who, who go into this difficult situation. And He's brought them all the way from the beginning to man, a life of, of just joy. A life filled with, with blessing. And so we see God working in an incredible way. So, so notice how God, do we see, does God really care about me? The, the clear answer to that is absolutely. Because God is faithfully at work in the everyday ordinariness of life. What's beautiful about the book of Ruth is that it's really just a plain book. I mean, you see some, some really cool details about who Ruth is and, and Boaz and, and all this stuff, but what we see is there's nothing special about it. Ruth is not some princess who's high putting away. Boaz is not some, some prince of a man who's emperor over a land. No, they are normal, everyday people who just love the Lord. And so because God, we see God at work every day, in the, or God faithfully at work in the ordinariness of life, that means that we should live as though He's working in your life. We should live as though if God's at work in the simple and the mundane and the ordinary, then God should be our focus in all of life. So I want to leave you with, with three things that we see from this, this book about Ruth real quickly. Three quick points, I think, about God that teach us how to apply it. One is that God is present in the everyday and the ordinary. The whole story, what's interesting about it, is that it just so happens. The whole entire story just so happens, like coincidentally in all these crazy ways, but it's all according to the plan of the Lord. From the very beginning when they go to Moab and tragedy strikes and nothing but death to the very end where there is a beautiful birth that ultimately leads to the line of Christ. Naomi, you see Naomi and her family faced incredible difficulty and struggles. Struggles that we face and feel today. We pray for it tonight. They face death. Death of people they love so incredibly dearly. They've moved. Had to leave everything of their comforts behind. They faced financial, uh, lack of finances and financial resources. They had to find food. Didn't know where they were going to make money or anything like that. Family responsibilities, marriage, all these different things that that likely we all face in life at some point or another. But even in that, the Lord directed her to Moab to meet Ruth. Brought Ruth and Naomi close to each other so they didn't leave each other. And Boaz to redeem Ruth in a beautiful and incredible way to save them from their mess that they were in. But what's crazy is that even though God's at present in the book of Ruth, that truth is truer for us now than it was for Ruth then. God is present with us now. You don't have to conjure up some feeling to get God to come. You don't have to, to say, okay, I've got to like get, get the Holy Spirit working and stuff to get Him to come down and, and work in us. If you trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you now. And you have God's Spirit at work amongst you and you don't have to worry about His Spirit coming down at some point so you can feel Him specially move. And if he's not working in you, like, that's a you problem. 
But we can trust that, that He does. Because He's present here and now. So view your day-to-day life as part of God's bigger story. It means when life's difficult, when it's boring, when it's happy, when it's hard, when it's simple, He's there. And He's working to bring about His kingdom. Secondly, we see God redeems His people. That's a beautiful thing. Look, like a bunch of us don't understand the whole idea of redemption or even needing redemption. We go about our, our everyday lives thinking, man, we are really pretty stellar dudes and, and girls. I we think we're pretty we're okay. Not not too much is going wrong in us. Like we're we're pretty good people. We don't get in a ton of trouble at, at school. We don't get in a ton of trouble at home. Maybe every now and then, maybe we do, and we still don't think we're that bad. But the, the book of Ruth is showing us that we desperately need it. We have some serious problems with us. And what's even prettier is that Ruth shows us God doesn't redeem us because it's a chore for Him to do. He redeems us because He loves us so incredibly deeply and He wants to. You go all the way in the, the book so far, the story of the Bible, from the Exodus, where God saves His people out of oppression because he wanted to see them free to the exile where, where God's people are sent out because they've done nothing but turn against God. But God brings them back. He cares for them and, and restores them to the cross where God late sends his son to die. Not because, hey, I got to check the box and get them, get them saved. No, because he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. God rescues his people in this way because he wants to bring them back into his family. And so just as Boaz welcomed Ruth in, God opens his arms wide to us. And Jesus can stand as our great redeemer. So when you realize you don't have it all figured out, when you realize that, look, you're not the the greatest person in the world, that you're weak and not strong, that you're needy and not well off, that you're helpless and not having it all figured out, that's when you'll truly realize that Jesus died for you. When you realize that, look, I have nowhere else to go. There is nothing inside of me I can do, but I need someone to help me. That's the situation that Naomi and Ruth were in. They needed someone. Christ is that someone for us. Jesus says, look, those who are well, they need no physician. The sick need care. He said, I came not for the righteous, but for sinners. Lastly, we see this. God's people pursue purity. God's people pursue purity in a, in a beautiful way. If you look at the story of Ruth, you see the integrity of Ruth and the integrity of Boaz. They sought faithfulness to the Lord above the desire of the flesh. You think about this in our own lives, relationally and personally. Look, there's every, every Wednesday night, plenty of flirting that goes on. At school, there's plenty of flirting that goes on. Plenty of relationships that you have. But what do we, like, how do we, listen, listen, how do we handle that? What do we do with that? I mean, flirting is not something that just started existing when you got in sixth grade. It's been around since the time of Ruth and Naomi. Probably before then. So what do we, what do, we do with this? And we see that we pursue the Lord and, and seek to be faithful to Him and Him alone. 
We love people well. That means you care for them. I don't, I'm not talking about love as in you send a text, oh, I love you so much. Like, I can't, Man, I'm so grateful for you. Like, that's cool. But I'm talking about the love as in, listen, listen, listen. I'm talking about the love as in you are, I mean, you got the, everyone's back because you love them just as Christ loves the church. You do that, you live modestly. Man, that can be applied in so many aspects. I Meaning, you're not just trying to like say, hey, I'm the richest person out here. I'm the best person out here. Man, I'm like the sexiest person out here. I knew, yeah, I knew that would get a reaction. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Hey, listen up, listen up. That means like, look, you live your life in a modest way. Listen, listen. You, li- you live your life in a modest way, seeking to love the Lord and to love those people well by not putting them into sin. Peter said, or Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I can't remember the exact words, but like if there's something that causes my brother to sin, like all things are good things is what he says. But if, if, they, if my brother asks me not to do something because it causes them to sin, then, then I'm not going to do it. Man, the same thing is true for the relationships we have with people. Is I'm not going to put someone else in a position to sin with how I dress, what I post, how I, uh, how I spend time with people, that, that matters in your relationship. I'm talking about from friendships to boyfriend to girlfriend to every aspect. Live modestly. And I think what applies to that really well too and what we see Boaz say to Ruth is in simple terms, don't steal what's not yours. Boaz says in, uh, where was it? Two, I think it was two or three, 310. He says, you have, uh, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have, not, you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And you haven't pursued them. You've just pursued the Lord. Don't steal what's not yours. That means like save other people for, for their husband, for their wives. Let them be for who God made them to be. Secondly, and pursue purity personally. Pursue per, uh, purity internally. That means run from lust. Run from the temptation of sin. Run from all of these things. With all that you are. It says do not get caught in the fantasy trap that is life. So what do we learn from the book of, of Boaz and Ruth? We learn that God is present in the everyday ordinary. That God redeems His people. And that God's people pursue purity. Just as Boaz and Ruth. Though we see judges, God's people are living in sin. In Ruth, there is a remnant that are truly God's people that are pursuing Him with all that they are. I want you to look at something interesting. Turn over to Matthew 1 with me. This is something that, that's really cool. Is you, you see the book of Ruth. And you see something incredible that's happened this this marriage between Boaz and, and Ruth and how the Lord brought about this redemption for her and how, man, it completely changed her life. But look, it was so important in the story and this shows you how God is at work in the ordinariness. Ruth had no special life. Nothing special about her. But look at Matthew 1. We're going to go to uh, verse 2. Starts The genealogy means the, the, the line of, of Jesus, who He came from. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez, Zerah by Tamar, Perez 
the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amminadab, um, and Amminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of who? Boaz. Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Skip down to uh, the very uh, to, to verse sixteen. And Jacob, the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Who is Ruth? Ruth is a great, great, great times ex-grandmother of Jesus. God used Ruth in an incredible way and He worked in the ordinariness of her life. Look, she was nothing special. Boaz was nothing special, but God used them because they submitted to Him, they pursued Him with all that they are. The story of Ruth, this widowed outsider. No one would want her, but one redeemed her. Leads to the better story. It shows us that God uses insignificant people with insignificant lives for His purpose. Jesus comes as the greater Boaz and He saves us for our desperate need. And that's our sin. And so tonight, as, as we close and as we finish up with, with everything. I want you to just consider what Ruth has taught us and consider the implications or, or what that means for your own life. Know that God deeply cares about you. God cares about you so incredibly much that, man, He pursues you. He draws you into Him. And what does that mean for us? It means that God is present in your life. So view your day-to-day life as, God, as part of God's bigger story when you're anxious, when you're mad, when you're happy, when all these things, man, view it as part of God's story. Help know it, knowing that, let that fuel how you react to everything. Secondly, be humble. You need redemption. You need salvation. Whether you want to admit it or not, you, man, you desperately need it. And find redemption in Christ because He's offered it once and for all on the cross. And lastly, pursue purity. For your sake, for your spouse's sake, for others' sake, and for God's sake. Let's pray together tonight. God, we are grateful for Your grace, grateful for Your kindness, Your love, and and how You work in in us in such a beautiful way, Lord. God, we see the story of Ruth as such an ordinary story. One that that Ruth and Naomi struggle with, things that, that we've all felt at times. But God, You were there in incredible ways. And it's evidence, Matthew 1, this woman was used in the family of Jesus. God, help us to see that You're working. Help us to see that You are doing something incredible, that You are present, that, you're, um, that You redeem us, and that You want us to live pure lives to You. Lord. We'll fail, we'll mess up, but by Your grace, we can get up and we can keep going. Lord, so help us do that, God. We're thankful for Your kindness and Your grace. Be with us. Help us to, to leave um, considering these things and how to live differently. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Hey, as you get done, or as you, you walk out, straighten up your seats, because it's always a little bit of a, like a tornado ran through here. So straighten up the seats in the rows. See y'all later. This, see y'all next week. Have a great week. Love you guys.